The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. All right, well, uh, turn your Bibles with me today. Turn to Matthew chapter 10. That's where we're going to start. And we're going to um, continue our, our, our series on, on the judgment of the saints. We started last week talking about the judgment of the saints. And, and uh, we talked about uh, we'll be judged on how we control the old man, how we control the flesh. Um, and uh, we, looked at, at, we talked about three things we need to do. We need to, first of all, forsake the flesh in our daily lives. We need to forbid the flesh, not give in to the to the passions and pleasures of the flesh, uh, and we are to follow. We're to follow the, the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Now today, I want to look at the second uh, installment in, in, the, in the installment of 12 areas of our life that will be judged. And the second area that I find in Scripture that will be judged is number two, is how we treat the brethren. How we treat the brethren. Let's pray before we get into our study. Our Father, thank you for uh, your gift of salvation. Thank you for uh, the brotherhood we have in the faith. I pray as we discuss this today that you would uh, admonish us, that you would educate us and instruct us, that you would draw us closer together, Lord, that we might uh, be pleasing unto you and that we might fulfill your will in this area of our lives. Thank you for this time now we ask in Jesus' name, amen. I said we're going to be judged on how we treat the brethren. And that is an area of concern to the Lord. In Matthew chapter 10, look with me at verse 40. This is the, uh, our Lord speaking here. He says, He that receiveth you receiveth me. And he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's Reward, And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. Now, this subject matter of how we treat the brethren and the love for the brethren is a subject matter that is thoroughly covered in Scripture. Uh, those of you here today that are parents can understand this point. None of us here find any joy in our children in our children fighting with each other. You know, when I when I uh, of course my my siblings and I we didn't always get along, and my second sister I especially didn't get along with, and the two of us fought, as the old saying goes, like cats and dogs. It just so happens her name was Cat Kathy, and. Um, I could stand here and, and, and relate some things for which I'm not proud of that I did to her over the years, and equally things she did to me. But, you know, that never, I, I know for a fact, that never brought joy to my parents' heart. Uh, even now, today, my, my children are all grown. My youngest is 30. But when we have family get-togethers, if they don't get along, that grieves me, and that grieves my wife. And as a parent, you always want to see your children 
get along. And, and such it is with our Heavenly Father. In Psalm 133, in verse 1, he writes, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And when God's people get along, when, when we treat each other properly, that is pleasing unto the Father. God has willed that we should be a help to one another. Yet so many Christians today not only fail to help other believers, but they go so far as to defraud their brethren. I'm sad to say I've seen that a lot in my 35 years of ministry. So often I've seen one Christian actually trying to do something to hurt another believer. Now I have my theories about that, but I'm not going to go into that today. But let it just say, let me just say that God's word says that if you offend one of his children, it were better for you that you were never born. So as we interact with one another, we better take heart to that fact. That God is very serious about how we treat our brothers and sisters in Christ. First Thessalonians 4, 6. That no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forsworn you and testified. So God will bring to light when he examines our, our lives. And remember, this judgment is not for punishment, it's for reward. And God will bring to light in that judgment the intent of our heart in how we treat our brethren. Now with this in mind, how should we behave toward one another? With the 30 minutes or so I have, uh, let me try to get through this and, and share with you how we should behave toward each other in light of the fact that God will, will, will in fact judge that behavior. First of all, letter A, I say this, we are to exhibit charity. We are to exhibit charity towards one another. Jesus in John chapter 13 states, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Now, I am not privileged to the fact to the assurity of whether or not you are saved. I, I don't know that. I can, I can only go by what you say. So if you, say, if you tell me I'm a believer, I, I'm, I'm born again, I'm saved, praise the Lord. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Because I, don't, I, I can't look into you and, and, and see that you are truly saved. But Jesus did say by this, by this men would know that we are his disciples. And that is if we love one another. So if someone is a critical, hateful, backbiting, slanderous Christian person who claims to be a Christian, I have to wonder about that. Because Jesus did say that would be a telltale sign to me that, that they were a believer. So I, I've made it real plain over all the years that I've been in ministry. Don't come to me to complain about another Christian. Now, if you have genuine concern for the well-being of that Christian, you shouldn't be talking to me, you should be talking to them. Right? 
You'd say, well, they won't receive me. Well, the Bible covers that. The Bible says if they won't listen to you, then, then go get a couple of the deacons in the church and go back to them and talk to them again. But we shouldn't be gossiping about one another. We shouldn't be spreading ill will about one another. We shouldn't be talking about each other unless we are praying for one another. And the Lord is very serious about this. Now, this is a very serious thing. This is a commandment from the Lord to his children, that we are to love one another. And this is a part of our life as a Christian that will be examined by Christ. He who loved us so deeply will, will judge us as to how we love each other. This examination, as I said earlier, is going to be to determine reward, our loss of reward. Now, I cannot make this point without stressing the latter part of verse 34, where Jesus said, as I have loved you, even so love ye one another. As I have loved you, Jesus said. So I'm supposed to love you the way Jesus loved me. Now I could spend months just, just teaching this one point. But I'm going to bring it all down to, to two simple points. How did Jesus love us? First of all, he loves us effectually. Effectually. And I'll explain that in a moment. But turn with me to Romans chapter 8. You're right there in Romans already. Just turn to Romans chapter 8. And let's look at verse, beginning at verse 35. We read in verse 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril, or sword. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long, we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor power, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now just for a moment, I want you to think about your love for the brethren. Not your neighbors, not your wife, not your husband, not your children, not someone else, you. I want you to dig in your heart and, and, and answer the question, how do I love the brethren? Paul asked a question in verse 35. He said, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? And he gives a, an entire list affirming that nothing can separate me from the love of Christ Jesus, my Lord. Now when we apply that same question to us, and we say, what does it take to separate us from the love for one another? We can't come up with a big long list, can we? Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. In other words, Christ will never stop loving me. Never. No matter what I do, no matter what happens to me. He will never stop loving me. But how often do we allow the least little things to cause us to stop caring about another Christian? 
Jesus said, as I loved you, so love ye one another. His love, his love for me was effectual. It, it was for a purpose and it fulfilled a purpose. I'm saved because Jesus loved me. I'm blessed because Jesus loves me. And I'm eternally secure because Jesus will never stop loving me. Now, I wish I could stand up here and say that I'm the prime example of this and I, have, I, I love everyone perfectly. I wish I could say that. I'd like to say that, but it would be a lie if I said it. But we are to strive to love one another in an effectual manner. The, the, the definition of the word effectual is producing or capable of producing an intended result or having a striking effect. Now the intended result of you and I loving each other is that we would find peace and comfort in that. That, that it would be a testimony unto, unto all men that, that we truly love the Lord because we love one another. Is our love toward each other effectual? Or is it only superficial? And this is the question we must answer concerning ourselves, not concerning anyone else. But Jesus is going to judge us on how we love each other, on how we treat one another. He, he told us to, the same way I love you, you love each other. Don't give up on each other. Don't forsake each other. You're not going to be perfect all the time. Not, you know what? <clears throat> I'm sure glad he didn't say uh, that you shall like one another. Even as I have liked you, so shall you like one another. Because, you know, I've said this many times. You know it's possible to love someone and not necessarily like them, Right? You do understand that, I hope. You can, you can love all, all people, but you don't necessarily like all people. And there are times when we get on each other's nerve, right? I mean, I'm sure there have been times when I've been standing up here teaching and you're sitting in that pew and you're saying, I don't like that. That bugs me. I don't like that. And, and, and so we're not going to always perfectly like each other. But Jesus wants us to be effectual in our love for one another and, and he wants us to be a blessing to each other and he wants us to be a comfort to each other and he wants us to, to be there for each other. We're to love effectually. But then also I'm going to say this, Jesus loves us eternally. Not only did he love us effectually, <clears throat> but he loves us eternally. In John chapter 13 and verse 1, we read, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And of course, we know that Jesus has no end. And his love for you and his love for me is eternal. It will never end. It's undying. He will never retract his love. For you or I. There is no end to the love of Christ toward his elect saints. And this is because his love for me is not based upon me. I want that to sink in. Jesus' love for me is not based upon me. It's not based upon who I am. It's not based upon how I behave. Jesus' love for me will never end. Why? 
because his, the, the basis of his love for me is not me. The basis for his love for me is his love for the Father. He loves me because it's the Father's will that he loves me. He loves me because he loves his Father. And his Father says, if you love me, love my children. That's what it's based on. So, for you and me, our love should not be based for one another on on, on who we are. Or what we can or can't do. Or how we behave. It should be based upon my love for the Father. It should be based upon the will of the Father. Now, I, <clears throat> I had no control over my, who, who would become my brothers and sisters. You understand that? I had no control over that. I was born into my family. I couldn't come along and say, hey, Dad, you know, could you get rid of Lou? Could you get rid of my brother? I don't like him. Could you... Could you, could you uh, Ax him from the family. I would, my dad would have looked at me like, what, what are you, crazy? And you have no control over who's in your family, spiritually speaking. You have no control over who God does or does not say. You have siblings, spiritual siblings sitting in this room that, that you had nothing to do with. That it's the will of God that they're saved and that they're here and, and that they're part of our family. And it's the will of God that you love them. So who am I to deny them the love that, that they deserve from me? I'm to love them, and that love is eternal. Just as the Son loves us because of his love for the Father, so we should love one another. Not because another loves me, but rather because the Father loves me, and therefore I should love others without exception. And by the way, I most certainly should love the brothers and the brethren, but I should also love all men while we're on the subject. Now, I'm not to, I, I, I'm not to love the behavior of men. I'm not to love the, the, the sin that they, that they exhibit. I'm not to love their lifestyle necessarily. I'm to standing. But there's a, you know, do you understand there's a line between hating sin and hating sinners? Do you understand that? And do you understand that you're not righteous enough to judge a sinner in your heart? Only God is righteous enough to stand in judgment of a sinner. I'm just to love all men. I'm commanded to love my neighbor as myself. I'm to love all men. But especially, the Bible says, those of the household of faith. So we we have to be careful here. We live in a world, I don't know if you realize this or not, but we live in a world that's growing more and more and more hateful every day. You hear of, you hear of such atrocious things happening every day, and, and there are videos. I, 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 don't, I got a Facebook account for one reason and one reason only, to, 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 to see my grandchildren's pictures. But sometimes people post things, and if you ever post something to my video, well, don't post a, don't post a video of somebody acting like an idiot because I'm not even going to look at it. And I might click that little box that says, do not show any more posts from this person. We live in a hateful world. We live in a world filled with violence. It's growing, it's growing worse and worse every day because, because men 
don't love God. And if you don't love God, how are you going to love your fellow man? So this matter of how you and I treat each other is very important to God. And it's one of the areas he's going to judge. And you're going to have to, and I'm going to have to give answer for how we treat one another. And how we've defrauded one another and cheated one another and lied about one another and stabbed one another in the back and gossiped about one another. We're going to have to answer for all of that. And again, while one finger is pointing out that way, notice three are pointing this way. So I'm, I'm preaching to myself here. Let's just stop that. Let's stop it. If My daddy's philosophy was, if you don't have something good to say about someone, don't say anything at all. When we'd sit around the dinner table and the conversation would start leading towards someone who wasn't there, my daddy would say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I don't see them here. And we don't talk about people when they're not here. We don't talk about people, period. But if we're going to talk about something about a person, we're going to talk to them about it and no one else. So let's, let's grab hold of this thing today and understand that we are to exhibit compassion. We are to exhibit charity. Love toward one another. But then letter B, I must move on, we're to express concern. How should we, how should we behave toward one another? Well, first, first and foremost, we should express charity or love toward one another. But secondly, we should uh, express concern about one another. In Galatians chapter 6 and Verses 1 and 2, Paul writes, Brethren, if, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So, if we, if we exhibit, if we ex- observe our brothers and sisters in Christ struggling in difficulty, we're to be concerned about that. We're to, we're to express concern about that. Now again, if, if you see something in another Christian that should be addressed, don't go to someone else and talk about it. Now it's gossiping. Go to that person and talk to them about it. I've done that over the years. I've, I've gone to... Brothers and sisters and said, you know, um, brother, I just want to tell you, I'm praying for you because I'm concerned about this thing. And, and if I can help you in any way, you let me know. Let's be concerned about one another. But, you know, I never could understand the sense in involving people that can't help you solve the problem. Why would you do that? If you're having a problem and you need to resolve it, go to the people that can help you resolve it and, and go to them only. And if it's someone else's problem, then, then go to either that person themselves or to someone that has the ability to help them, like the pastor. There have been times when I've gone to the pastor and I've said, Pastor, I've observed this. I'm bringing this to you because... Um, you know, I'm not going to say a word to anybody about anything, but I, I want you to know about this, and you and I together can pray and see if we can help this person. And then it stops there. And if the pastor needs to involve one or two deacons, he will do so. But it keeps it from getting across to the whole church, because 
if all of us in the church know about a person's problem and we don't need to know about it, it may drive them right out the door. They may become embarrassed and ashamed. I, I, I know people who were not here this morning because of a situation in their life and people kept coming to them and they, they couldn't handle that and they're now gone. You know, sometimes we want to help, but we, we may not necessarily be a help. You understand that? Now, we need to be concerned. We do need to express concern for one another, but we need to be careful in this. In, in Galatians, we see Paul admonishing the Christians to bear one another's burdens, to help each other carry their loads. In other words, we should care enough about our brothers and sisters in Christ that we help them carry the burdens life brings to them. If we have the ability to help them, if, it, if we have the ability to help them with material things, then help them. Don't, don't blow a trumpet and have a, a, a parade processing you over to help them so everyone can see how gracious you are. No, do it, do it quietly and do it, do it meekly and, and help them if you can. If you can't do that, then pray for them. Make it a matter of fasting and prayer. Bring it before the Lord and, and sincerely seek. And then whatever you can do, if there's anything you can do to be a help to them, do it. But do it quietly and do it without needing fanfare because people's, people's emotions are involved here. And this is our brothers and sisters in Christ. And Jesus is concerned with how we treat them. And we're to, we're to help them. Philippians tells us, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves, looking not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Our attitude toward each other should be one of humility, not thinking ourselves better than anyone else, not thinking ourselves above anyone else. But Paul said in Galatians, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Listen, the very issues that face our brothers and sisters in Christ could very well become our own. So we need to be concerned and we need to care and we need to have compassion. Now, there are some dangers here when we, when we get involved in helping people. I just want to talk about those just for a second. First of all, uh, watch out for pride. Watch out for pride. It's easy to become proud when you, when you help people. It's easy to become haughty about it. Galatians tells us, Paul tells us in Galatians, for if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Listen, we're, we're nobody special. We're just, well, we are special because we're God's children. But we're not better than each other. And if we help one another, we need to do it with humility and with, with meekness. Watch out for pride. God detests pride. God detests pride. Proverbs 6. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look is the very first one. <laughs> very first one on God's list of, of things he detests is a proud look. Pride. Pride is abhorring to God. God detests pride. Pride leads to destruction. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18. Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. And then lastly, let me say, God defies the proud. He defies the proud. James chapter 4. But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. We've got to watch out for pride. And, and it's easy to become proud of ourselves 
when we, when we start trying to, uh, to take unwarranted credit for this act of kindness toward one another. If you have anything, let me, let me just say this, if you have anything wherewith you can give to someone else to bless them, why in the world would you be proud of that? Because you wouldn't even have that if it were not for God. And it may very well be that God gave you what he gave you so you can give it to someone else. You ever think of that? God wants to bless you by you blessing others. So he gives to you so you can give to, so we can give to one another. But so often God gives to us, we put it in our pocket and we go, Oh, so sorry brother, be ye warmed and filled. And we do nothing to help one another. And that's not the will of God. I've said it before. God, will, God blesses me so I can bless others. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, the, I'm not the depository for God's blessings. I'm a conduit to, to distribute those blessings to others. And that's how we should all feel. We're not a reservoir collecting the blessings of God. We may be a reservoir, but there are, there are pipelines leaving the reservoir, going off in all directions to be a blessing to those around us. I think of Brother Tom. My goodness, I don't know, I don't know a more generous man than Brother Tom. I've known Brother Tom since I arrived in this city. Matter of fact, the night I arrived in this city, he was one of the men at this church to greet me. He and his wife were the first ones to visit us. I have never known a time when I needed something and he knew about it where he didn't fulfill it. I mean, I've been driving around on not, not May Pops. I've been driving around on Will Pops. He came to my house and got the tires and brought them to his shop, put tires on them and brought it back to my house. Brother Tom is the most generous man I've ever known. Well, guess what? He needs his brothers and sisters now. And I'm not saying you need to pour over there, and, but you need to look to him and Pauline. And Do you need anything? Can I do something for you? What can I do for you? See, this is, this is, this is exhibiting brotherly love. When, when we reach out to one another, and, 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 but we've got to watch out for pride. But also, let me say this, watch out for selfishness. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12, Paul writes, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Watch out for that selfishness that comes along with, with the human nature. Well, I'm not as bad as he is or I'm not as bad as she is. I, I, I don't do what they do. I'm better than them. Are you now? Are you? You, are you ready to stand on that? You're ready to be judged in that fashion. Because that's how God will judge you. So watch out for selfishness. We don't, we don't need to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. And then lastly today, letter C, we are to employ compassion. We are to employ compassion. Now, compassion and, and love are different. They are different. They, they're, they're similar, but they're different. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul writes, Let all bitterness 
and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Now, I use the phrase, employ compassion, because this is a deliberate act on our part. Uh, This is not to be confused with pity. You see, one can feel pity for another without doing anything about it. Right? You can feel pity for someone and do absolutely nothing about it. But we have a a good example in Scripture of this, and, and that's the Good Samaritan, as found in Luke chapter 10. You can read it later. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But we see three people in in the the parable of the Good Samaritan. First, we see the priest. Now, the priest, he saw and passed by the man on the the road. But why why did he just pass by? Well, I think it's because of pride. I'm sure he, he felt sorrow for, oh man, that poor guy. But you understand, I'm too, I'm too important to stop and deal with this. Let someone else deal with this. And that's pride. But then we see a second person come by, and that was the Levite. And the Bible says the Levite actually looked on him. So the Levite came by, and he actually stopped, and he actually looked down at the guy and said, Oh, you poor thing. Wow, I feel sorry for you. But then he left and did nothing. Why did he do it? Well, I think it was because of selfishness. He didn't want to waste his time. He, or he was, he was worried maybe were, the, the bandits were still lurking around and they might jump him. He's thinking more about himself than the poor man lying there in the dust. Selfishness. But then came along the Samaritan. And you know Samaritans were despised by the Jews. So when Jesus gave this story, uh, the Jews hearing it couldn't, couldn't like it too well. That along comes a Samaritan, and he saw the man, and he had compassion. Now, compassion is defined as the human quality of understanding the suffering of others and doing something about it. He saw this man, he saw the suffering, he didn't didn't take any regard for his own safety, he didn't take any regard for his own own, uh, pride, or he wasn't selfish, He, he, he went to the man and and he, he bandaged his wounds. I don't think that this Samaritan traveled around with a bag of band-aids. I, I think what it is, he took his own cloak off his body and ripped it into, ripped it into bandages and bandaged the man's wound. He poured, he poured wine into the wounds, medicines, and he put the man on his own, on his own donkey and he took him to the, to the inn where he stayed and he, he housed him and he, he, he nursed him to health. And then when he had to leave, he paid the innkeeper money and said, here, Take this and take care of this man, and when I return, if you spent more than this, I'll reimburse you. Now that was compassion. And that's what we need. Now I'm not standing here saying none of us in here show compassion. Now I'm very, I'm very, I'm very pleased to be able to say that many of you in, in, in the times that I've been here have reached out to help my wife and I when we've needed it. And I'm so thankful for that. But I'm just reminding us that we need to learn to be compassionate. And when we see a need, we need to fill that need in, in whatever way we can. Jesus is going to judge you and me 
on how we treat one another. Now, if, if that's true, and it is, how do you think we ought to treat one another? We ought to love one another. Jesus said, love one another, even as I have loved you, so love you one another. All right, folks, that's all I have time for. Thank you for being here this morning, and you are dismissed. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.